Right, we're holding on page 244. We spoke about this third level of Yer Shemayim, where it's, it's a very intense experience. I've said it before, it bears repeating a few times, which is that Yer Shemayim is very similar to the way a dimmer works. You have a light on, sometimes you know, a light is either on or it's off. But when you have a dimmer, you're able to raise or lower the intensity of the light. So Yer Shemayim is similar to kind of a dimmer, in the sense that we all live on this spectrum of how much and to what extent. You know, not everybody can live on this highest, highest level of being intensely aware of HaKadosh Baruch Hu's, uh, presence and being actively controlling yourself and how you feel about that. It, it's, a, it's a very intense experience. And that's, it's only limited to the really highest tzaddikim that live on that level. The ones that are fully aware of it. We're not all capable of doing that. So it's kind of like a dimmer. You have to lower that dimmer a little bit. Throughout the year, there are times where we raise it a little bit. So Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur... We have it during Pesach, during Sukkot, during Yom Tov, and we always raise it a little bit more. We raise it up a little bit, but the challenge of life is throughout the rest of the year to lower it, to, not to lower it per se, but to get it to a place where we feel that presence, we're aware of it, but we're also able to live a day-to-day existence as well. However, says Zorach Sadiqim, as much and as amazing it is if we could reach that level, it's very hard for someone to, 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 that their Avodah Hashem should be completely 100% to be selfless and to be completely aware of Hashem. And therefore, the truth is, at the end of the day, we're humans. So we are allowed to. And it's become understood that we're allowed to keep Torah mitzvahs either out of a fear of Oynesh or out of the hope and the desire that you're going to get reward for it. That's why we have, and this is what the Rambam writes, that we have, that we, that's why we have the brachas, the close, the curses and the blessings that we find in the Torah. Were those blessings and the curses for? In order to strike a certain amount of fear into us that we should awaken ourselves. So what do we do for a child? A child is obviously not old enough and aware enough to understand. And instead, what does a father have to do? To give him... Incentives. He's not learning in order for the, the overall, uh, overarching idea of that you're doing it for the honor of Hashem, and you're doing it because of the Torah Lishma, because he holds the, you know, the, the, like that's not the reason why a seven-year-old is, is learning Elvis Zabadim in, in, in Shul. You know why he's in Shul? Because he wants to get Bamba, because he wants to get lollipops. That's why, but that works. He doesn't know or has reached the level of maturity to understand the true value of these things. If he really would understand, if we would understand it, if we would understand that, that, that whatever money could be given, if someone could offer me $100 million to, for, for my schar in, 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 in Limna Torah, I can't say I wouldn't take it, but at the same time, it's only a reflection of the fact that I don't understand how, what is schar in Limna Torah. And therefore, yes, I think that's all. $100 million because I have no conception of what's called true value, I'm willing to give it up for that. But really, it's much more than $100 million. Could you sell it? Could you sell? Yeah. That's what it's it, not a tangible thing. It's it not. Means, you, you can know. give your schai. You can, you can give your schai. That's the Yisachar's Volen. In a sense that someone, you it's are learning, someone's supporting you, and, you and, and just in, an in, an in uh, what's it called? And, and the deal is that in return, I'm giving you my schai in Luminatari. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. 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 What Yitzchak is asking, basically, is the basic idea of Yisachar's yeah, no, Issachar, no, no. right. Zulon got 50%. So why did Issachar got the other 50%? What was left for Issachar? No. That's, that's, uh, that's oh. not tangible. Like, oh, right, you can't really sell it. Even if you sell it, you're not selling it. Right. That's the... Right. Now, it happens to be, though, it happens to be there's a Mesa once in the opposite end. There's a Mesa once with the Baron Katha. We have to understand that 
as much as you don't feel it all the time, the, and ultimately you feel much better once you sat and really learned and you, and you really were shakeya and limnatari and you feel so good afterwards. The story once with a very rich, very wealthy Balabas was, uh, I guess he had a meeting, Ravaran Kutler made a meeting with him and Ravaran was very into the idea that like, it's not enough just that the Balabas should give money, he also wanted to be invested in the process of limnatari as well. He wanted them to be learners. He wanted them to learn a little bit even if they didn't have all the time to learn all day even to learn five hours a day, <clears throat> he wanted them to have still a seder for themselves. So one time he was trying to push a certain, a certain balabas who had a lot of money, who was, very, who was supporting a lot of Torah. He said, but it's very important that you yourself learn. So he says, what's going to happen with your learning? He says, I said, Shashiva, I, I, I support so many yeshivas. I have schar, that's my holy sachar zvolen. I'm not able to learn. So I, have, I hire, in a sense, I, ha- I hire other people to do the learning for me. He says, yeah, you're right. That's in terms of your, your alam haba. What about your Olam Hazeh? What about your Olam Hazeh? A true life of Olam Hazeh, Ashrecha, someone who sits and learns Torah, Ashrecha, wah! Such a level and ability to sit and learn and to be able to be misanig in the, in the Chochmas Hashem, to really appreciate, to delve into it. Baruch Hashem, we do it here in the Kailah where you really get involved in a Gemara, the Shaka Vataria, Rashi, Ataisis, Rishonim. Like there's nothing that fits that. You walk out afterwards and be like, oh, I did something that's actually worthwhile. That is something that, that carries you throughout. And so unfortunately, I see many, many times one of the biggest reasons why people don't feel successful in their community and their learning in life, in, in so many different aspects of life, is because it's really starting from the learning. If they're not happy in the learning, it starts to affect everything, every other problem in life. The, the, then they, they don't have the kishkas and the ability to handle chinuch problems. They don't have the ability to handle shalom bias problems. Now, both lead into the other, which is in, in order to be able to sit and learn properly, we have to have also that background of support to be able to feel that things are going well at home, that you have money in the bank, you know, all these different background things. But the truth is, it's really the opposite. Those things will have a bracha because we're sitting and learning and because we're able to right. f- come into base medrash. The 3,000 shekel a month and that rate makes or less, whatever it is, has more bracha behind it. 100%. Then 10,000 shekel is doing it for, you know, computer programming. That's... that's the biggest challenge that we have is, and me included, me included, believe me, I'm a father, I'm a wife, I'm a, not a wife, I have a wife, I'm a, I'm a husband, we all have challenges in life, I have to pay bills like everybody else. When you walk in the base madrash, our avodah should be, our avodah should be, and I'm talking to myself, is that we have a peckle, you have a problem, you have difficulty, leave it outside the base madrash. Leave it outside. As big of a challenge as that is, that means that this child is not doing well in school. And that child is going for this type of evaluation. And this child, you know, just stole something and like, you know, I, how many times, I'm not going, I, I'm speaking about specific details of my own, you know, different challenges here and there. We have to be able to learn how to compartmentalize, how to know, how to understand, how to deal with the challenges. And that applies for life. It's not just, by the way, someone sitting and learning. Anybody, anybody going through any type of challenge in life, if you have a job, if you work, it's, it's, it's unprofessional for someone to let the challenges of difficulties of life Bring it into the office. It's not appropriate. Because there's a, there's, this is the place to do it and that's the place not to do it. It doesn't mean nobody cares about it. It just means that you have to be able to compartmentalize, to put it to where it prop- needs to be done properly, how to be able to handle that issue, and then to reapproach it later with a level of clarity. With a level of clarity. When you are doing everything with so... They're saying, yeah, they're so far nomad. You're so involved and your brain is, 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 st- is focused on everything else and you can't really reapproach the things that you need to do. And that's... And how else can a person learn a Taisis? How else can you learn a Arishan if you don't have a clear mind? So it's always a challenge. If a person needs five minutes to take a step out of the base measure, clear their mind for a minute, give himself a pep talk and say, you know what? Mir Sashem, it's going to get better. It's going to take care of itself. Or it may not get better, but right now is not the problem. <laughs> like, right now me worrying about it isn't going to make it any better. 
to then be able to reapproach and come back, I guarantee you, you'll, you'll understand the Gemara, you'll understand Rashi, you'll understand the Tais is much better. And then through the fact that you understand the Rashi and Tais is much better, you'll be able to then deal with all the problems afterwards. That's, it really all stems from this. Because Torah is the biggest bracha. Torah allows us and gives us all the ability to handle life's challenges day to day. Therefore, therefore it says like this. A child, when you're, when you're getting them involved and you're trying to get them interested in the, into, the, into the process of learning, we will have to make sure to, to make a gishmak and make it sweet. As we know, when you bring a child to a cheder, what do they do? They put the honey on the, on the oasis, on the letters. Because, now, it's interesting, by the way. It's interesting, by the way, because, you know, same thing also. As a parent, our job is to make sure that our children grow up with, with at least certain levels of values of, of what's safe or not safe. At least, like, there's different, st- there's different levels to it. There's, like, the most basic foundation of what a parent is supposed to do. Make sure your child doesn't kill themselves, right? <laughs> like, like not, to be, not to let your kid be a lock, a lock what do they call it, a lock, chi, a lock key kid? Latchkey kid. What's a latchkey kid? A kid who, like, the parents have no idea where the kid is half the time. He comes in and out. They have no oh, clue. All the time. All the time, okay, <laughs> right? But like, you, you have to, but like, right? Well, okay, to, to a degree. Sometimes, if that's if that's the norm, as long as it's not like they're letting their kids walk around with like, a, you know, a forks sticking it into the into the outlets during the day, like that's ridiculous. A parent should be around at least to the extent that they know what the child is doing, right? One time, you know, I mean, I'll, I'll leave that story for a different time. But the point is, is that we, what is our job? Our job is is to instill within our children at least the guardrails of know where the general overall balances are, where they should be doing. My son at this point knows that if he crosses the street... He's got to wait for an adult to cross. Yeah, he cannot cross the street by himself. Because one time he did, I gave him a very slight patch. It was more of like an emotional thing of like, never do that again. I made a very, very big point of, do, of making it like very clear to him, like that is 100% wrong, you cannot do that. And now, this is called like Pavlovian response. You know Pav- Pavlov- Pavlov's dog? You know about this guy, right? This, right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So this, this uh, scientist, he had a dog that he was training it every time that he would ring a bell. He would then give that dog a treat, and he did it for a long time until eventually the dog associated the bell and the treat together. So then he did a test, which is that when he rung the bell, he wouldn't give a treat. He would see that the that the dog was already salivating because it was built into the subconscious of the animal, the consciousness of the animal. Yeah, because the bell means treat. So, so too, and on the opposite end, when it comes to training and, 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 and grazing our children, we want to give them certain levels of Pavlovian responses, which is the ability to understand that doing something dangerous is wrong. They have to have that level of fear, at least to be able to protect them, to, for them to protect themselves. So that's so kind of... You know what, but it works when... How do you put your Shemayim to a kid that he's grown already? Like, not, not that he's grown, but his needle is formed somewhere. Right. Well, I want to tell you something. Children, their mo- their mitos are formed already from the day they were born. <laughs> but you're right. You're right. It is harder once they get older. They get more cynical. They don't listen to you as much. Well, yeah. Six years old, they, like, you know, my son once said to me, uh, it's very personal, but I'll say, he said, like, he doesn't understand fear of Hashem. What do I have to be afraid of? I can't even... Repeat the question again. You were saying, the, qu- the question was that you, at six years old, this child was asking, how do I know, how do I know Hashem exists? Maybe eight. So my response would be, not to, God forbid, start getting nervous. At eight years old, that means his, his brain is developing, that he's asking a very fundamental question. And I would praise the fact that he's asking such an amazing question. Not to push that question away. If anything, like, wow. No, I didn't push you away. Genius question. I'm not saying you did that. I'm not saying you did or didn't. I'm just saying that's what it's I would do. It's not an easy question to answer either. No, it's not an easy question. But the same, you know, by the way, you know what I always use as a marshal? Gravity. 
Do you, have you have you ever spoken to gravity before? You can tell have you ever all these different proofs? No, 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 no there's not a proof. There's not even an intellectual proof. Have you ever spoken to gravity before? Have I ever what? Have you ever spoke to gravity before? Spoke to? Yeah, have you ever spoke to him? No, but no? you know it's there. But you know it's there. Why? Because you interact with it on a daily basis and you form your entire life around it. I know, when I get way. in my car, what do I do for the first thing I do before, do before I start driving? I put on my seatbelt. If how I don't... Do you know you have a brain? Yeah, these are good questions, 100%. But my point is, is more so to say that there's, there are fun ways of, of responding to the question. And even if you give the worst answer possible, what you're leaving with him is the emotional feeling that you, that you respect and love him and, you, and you're supporting his ideas. And if anything else, that's the healthiest, more healthier than anything else in the entire world. Because at eight years old, do you think he's going to, let's say you give him the best Asia, Asia Tara discovery answer. You think he's going to walk away and be like, oh, now I understand that uh, Big Bang was, no, he's, not, he's eight years old. His brain, he, he's, he's not going to understand it. Yeah, it's not going to do anything for him. But the best thing you can leave him with is the emotional feeling that that type of question is not fearful, and thus it's not a challenge to his amuna. How do you answer? How to answer? I'd be like, wow. That's a really good question. That's so smart. Your mom is so hush of wow. That's a, I mean, depending on the it's kid's level. Too big a deal out of something. Not really. No. Yeah, no. 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 Look, look. If you want to say that Hashem is real, that means that whatever you're looking, whatever you're seeing right now, you wouldn't say, "Wow." If he says, "Abba, how do I know that window is there?" Wow. What no, but it's wow, no. It's no. Right there. You can go and touch it. No, no. But again, it's, we're talking about obviously which is not like a window, right? But let me explain. What you're doing. What, what you're doing is Asaf. What you're doing. What you're doing is what you're doing is is you're trying to leave him with the emotional feeling of the question. He probably would forget that question in about a week. He would forget it. If if you would deal with it a proper way, uh, every kid forgets. If 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 you if if the, again, I'm not talking about your specific scenario, but in a, but but your response if your response is the response of like wow, and then you respond that way to all good questions that he asks, then it just becomes a good question. It's not the question about Amuna. It's a question about oh, it's a good question on Rashi. It's a question on Tais. It's a question also on my shoes. It's a question about Hashem. It becomes something that's not a threatening question. If it's not a threatening question, then that's something that you leave them with the emotional feeling with the Pavlovian the Pavlovian. Pavlovian uh, relationship to it, which is that they feel inherently that, oh, d- daddy likes when I ask good questions, and I'm, I'm so smart, wow. And eventually, when he'll come to his own answers, the question doesn't feel like a, a no-go type of question. Like, oh yeah, I can't touch that question. If, you, if a person would respond in, in such an intense way, then it builds in them the opposite emotional feeling, the opposite, opposite feeling of, this is a bad question I'm not allowed to ask. And that's not helpful. Okay, the, 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 the chance is, is if, you, if he sees that he got if you if you praise your if you praise it, then it become then it begin. But you would do but you would probably would praise him if he asked a good question on Rashi. Why? So maybe so so maybe so let's meet halfway. Maybe if you responded, wow, that's a great question, amazing, and then you move on to like a something else. So you're not, you're not denying the question, you're not making a bigger deal than it is. At the same time, you're praising him for using his brain, which is what you should be doing. Any child who's asking at the age of eight years old, seven years old, where's Hashem, how do I see Hashem? That's a good, valid good question. Like, wow, that's mamash. You know who asks such questions? Avram Avinu asks such questions. And Adra, we want to be machabe those sort of things. Not, because by the way, when he's asking at seven, eight years old, he's not asking because he's becoming a koifer. He's asking it because he's now finally figuring out, like, wait, things are happening throughout me. I see cause and effect. I see why things are going up and down. I want to know what's causing that. That we want to be mechabed. And that's the Pavlovian relationship that we want to create, which is that the same feeling that also when it comes to the Torah mitzvahs. I'll tell you, I'll leave you off with one last thing. My son, Baruch Hashem, is amazing. He's the best. 
he also is very anti-authoritative. Like it's just he's built anti- into his, anti-authoritative. Uh-huh. Already at the age of like one years old, two years old. Rebellious. He's very, I wouldn't say rebellious because that term is very, very charged. No, 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 he no. just doesn't, if you ask him directly, we'll he will Dafka not do it. If you tell right. him not to do it, he will do it. That's the try. Yeah, he doesn't, he, he, he doesn't like authority. Fine. So yeah, it's a challenge in life and everybody has, you have to figure out how to learn and to understand people. What I, what I do see though is my son loves to do good things. Okay, Baruch Hashem. You see, it's not like a, a bad thing. It's not coming from a bad place. It's coming from a place that he wants to feel that like he's the one doing it. And that's a very important uh, psychological nakuda. So for my son, I've realized that the best way to, 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 to get him to do something is not to tell him directly. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. It wouldn't work anyway. It's to describe to him how amazing it would be in Shamayim the malachim tansing Hashemayim. Again, he's young enough that this works, right? As, as you get older and you get more cynical, yeah, this is the challenge of life. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what I get there. I'm sure everybody has more experience than I do. But, but for my five-year-old son, instead of telling him, please go watch it to the Sinai, he'll be like, oh, I hear in Shemayim, the malachim are getting, they're, they're turning on the music right now. They're turning on the keyboard. Oh, they're, they're plugging it in. But they're waiting to dance. They're waiting to dance in Shemayim. He gets so excited. He runs to watch it. To, and then you see, like, it's, instead of it being an experience where it's me telling him what to do something and he's not listening and it becomes a negative feeling. And, and, but leaving off of that Pavlovian emotional negativity, you're turning into a positive. And okay, whether I have to be the one telling him to do it or not and I have to be the father with the structure. No, it just, I wanted to watch it at the time. So however I get him to do it, I could care less. I have to be the one telling him to do it. it it's that he feels of an emotional connection that Torah Mitzvah makes other people happy. And it makes me happy, it makes himself happy more so. That's what the most important thing. And that, Mir Sashim is Barak. We should uh, try to do the best we can. It's not